Welcome to The Beauty of Conflict, a podcast about how to deal with conflict at work, at home, and everywhere else in your life. I'm Chris Marie. And I'm Susan. We run a company called Thrive, and we specialize in conflict resolution, communication, and building strong, thriving teams and relationships. Conflict shows up in our lives in so many ways. Most people, unfortunately, are not very good at handling conflict. Most people have never been taught the right tools for dealing with conflict. And then it leads to unnecessary friction, arguments, passive-aggressive emails, tears, hurtful comments, stuckness, all kinds of things we don't want. We're on a mission to change all of that. We spent the last 20 years teaching our clients how to handle conflict in a whole new way. We're here to show you that conflict doesn't have to be scary and overwhelming. With the right tools, you can turn a moment of conflict into a moment of reinvention. Conflict can pave the way into a beautiful new system at work, a new way of leading your team, a new way of parenting, a new chapter of your marriage where you feel more connected than ever before. Conflict can lead to beautiful things. Today, we are going to talk about I think two, but we have two magic ingredients that we think transform conflict, and that is vulnerability and curiosity. And we're at least going to start with one, vulnerability, because we think it is a magic ingredient that can transform any mm, disagreement, conflict situation in such a way that you get deeper into what's going on and it can transform the dynamics in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the way that we define vulnerability is is really taken straight out of Webster's, but we think it's a very good explanation, which is the willingness to expose oneself to danger. And, you know, another definition that comes from Brené Brown, who's done a great deal of research in this area, is very aligned with this. And her definition is risk, uncertainty, and emotional exposure. And that idea that vulnerability is, is fundamentally a part of our life all the time. We are, whether we like it or not, we are actually vulnerable creatures. Um, And uh, our willingness to allow for that vulnerability, to experience that vulnerability and acknowledge it to each other is pretty critical to building resilient, healthy relationships. But I think people tend to think, well, gosh, if I could just get comfortable with vulnerability and we're here to let you know, it never really gets comfortable to be vulnerable (laughs) because that's the very nature. You're going outside your comfort zone. You are being vulnerable. And so you are on the edge of risk, uncertainty, emotional exposure. You are exposing yourself to danger. You could get rejected. People may not like it. However, so I used to ask Susan, we were doing our uh, TEDx talk and um, we did our dress rehearsal and the woman said, you're talking about vulnerability, right? Well, you're not showing up very vulnerable. And I'm like, why do we need to be vulnerable? Yes. we. I mean, after that little pep talk from our coach, (laughs) we went home and we talked about it and we were all ready to go and we get there the next day. It was the day of, and you're like, do I really need to bring up vulnerability? I was like, oh my God. Do I need to show up vulnerably? Yes. And you know, it was so funny. I was like, so uh-huh. I I have, I mean, I don't have any good childhood experiences where being vulnerable really worked for me. So, and I think that's pretty common. However, now as a, a full-size adult, me being vulnerable, there's a different, I'm not looking necessarily for you to take care of me when I'm mm. vulnerable. It's more, I'm willing to say what's really happening for me. What's really, what I'm really wanting or what I'm really feeling or really thinking. And in that there's some 
internal power, even if I don't get the response I want. I was thinking about you and, and I don't know if you guys, uh, if you've had a chance to listen to our episode where we did some interviewing of each other around this notion of conflict, but Chris Marie talked about her experience of getting on the uh, rowing team at the University mm. of Washington. And when you went out with the 110 women, first off, that's a vulnerability move right there. Mm. You showed up knowing that you weren't particularly athletic. But secondly, <laughs> this story goes uh, that she, the coach came to her because she really wasn't 5'8". She was supposed to be at least 5'8". And the coach said to her, do you want to be a coxswain? And you said, no, I want to row. <laughs> And, and you don't recognize that, but that was a huge moment of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And I think and she did actually turn around and as if I <laughs> didn't exist to her. So I guess, but I didn't let it bother me. No, you're right. You're right. You so know, so, that. you know, uh, sometimes we aren't even aware of when we have made a choice to be in the service of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And, and other times we've done so much to protect and, ar and armor ourselves from exposing any of that vulnerability. Yeah. And so that's really the challenge. Um, and I think in the business world in particular, business leaders are, you kind of grow up being told, don't let, don't let them see you sweat. And I remember yes. early on in our coaching, we worked with this uh, gentleman. He was uh, a very Jake, Jake, and he was very high powered in the world of, world of sales and really had been into a, a number of different organizations at a very high leadership level because he could go in and make things happen. And he was struggling at this point in his career because he was, I think, opening a particular part of the business in a new part of the country. And he was struggling with some decisions to bring the people he needed up to speed. And well, I think as he was leading as as opposed to singularly performing, he had yeah. to actually lead a group of people. It was, was he different. was now in this role of leader and he needed to develop and influence these other people coming up. And it was such a mind switch for him to get to, um, okay, I'm not gonna be able to do that by doing it for them mm -hmm. or trying to control them. Um, and it and the level of vulnerability that it was going to take for him to step back and let them fail um, and then still go in and coach them. And well, and I think Susan, tell me where I'm wrong, but like I remember when we were in to do a two day <clears throat> offsite with him, he wanted us to help him develop his team and get a strategy. And and we were when he actually stood up in front of the room and said, hey, I'm not good at this. That was huge for him. And, you know, I think it surprised his team because he was he was a physically imposing guy. He was a great sales guy. So he was slick. And so everybody thought he had everything together. And for him to actually acknowledge, you know, this is new for me. I want to do it well. I brought Susan and Chris Marie in here to help me and to actually give me feedback. What it did, people would be like, oh, you know, I think they were a little shocked, but it allowed them to then show up as mm -hmm. not so perfect, which I think before they were just like, oh, can I please Jake? Is Jake going to pick me? That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So it really shifted those dynamics. It did. And we had the opportunity to coach Jake early on. And then he brought us in a few years later and in front of the a big, like a hundred people. Yeah. Big, large part of the organization. And the first thing he talked about was how he had to learn to appreciate vulnerability. And it was such an amazing thing to hear him be up on this stage in front of the, the, his, all of his organizational leaders and telling them the importance of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I, I was so moved by how he had really gotten it because mm -hmm. so often, I mean, we have literally our book, you know, there's 
there's a few key words in our book. And one of those key words is vulnerability. <laughs> and sometimes when we're teaching or when we're doing it in a leadership development, we've had people ask us to, could you just take that word out? <laughs> Which is really kind of funny. Yeah. It's like, no. no. <laughs> yeah. We are um, really talking yeah. about vulnerability. And we had one of the biggest compliments we had is somebody, uh, we're working with a vice president in the software company, or she's more than that. She's higher. She's just uh, below the executive team. And she said, you know, I read Brenny Brown's book, Daring Greatly. And I'm like, okay, I get the concept of vulnerability. She said, and then I read your beauty of conflict, uh, harnessing your team's competitive advantage. And that told me how I could show up. And I just thought that was so, such a, a nice compliment. I really appreciated that because in our book, we talk about the importance of it. We tell the Jake story, many other stories of how, and you think about this in your own lives, when you are the relationships, you have the closest contact or loyalty to, I'm going to guess they're not to the super awesome, always perfect people. They're the ones that actually say, Hey, you know what? I made a mistake. I don't know how to do this. I need help. Or I'm sorry. Those sorts of words that let people know, Hey, I'm not invincible. I'm actually just like you, mm -hmm. which we all are just like each other. <laughs> mm -hmm. One of my um, favorite movies, it's a Disney film, is the movie um, Lilo and Stitch. I don't know how many of <laughs> you have ever seen it, but um, for a lot of my life, I, I think most people who know me and have uh, see me in some other contexts would equate me to the character Stitch. And Stitch was a bit of a like a mm, hot, you know, hothead. <laughs> you know, he'd come down to the planet and want to kill everything because of all this stuff that had happened. And there was a lot of me based upon my life experience and what had gone in my world where I was had learned to be very defended. Like anger is a good thing because then they're not going to see that you really care or that there's, mm. you know, it, yeah, just look tough. And you can pretty much get through anything. And um, not a little different than the business concept, don't let them see you sweat. Yeah. This was more like, you know, just look like you could beat somebody up. And, <laughs> it was more a street. You know, it was street um, So if you need to know context, watch Stitch. And you, and, uh, and, it, and really, I, uh, it took me the longest time to realize in my life, you know, like so much of that was just a protective mm -hmm armor, which was, I, you know, I don't want to see, here's why I fight for reactivity sometimes because <laughs> literally, you know, we argue about it is that my reactivity really served me. It was something that helped me survive in a world where I didn't know how else to do it. Well, it sounds like um, it kept people away. It kept you safe. Yes. It, it was a survival tool that worked. Yeah. And so it's not that I really want to get rid of it. I actually want to be able to embrace that reactivity as a resource because sometimes, you know, it gives me a, it gives me an alarm bell. It wakes, you know, I'm in it and I get, Ooh, now if I just, and I could turn towards that part of me that's reactive mm -hmm. and find out what's going on. And that's my responsibility. It's kind of that reactivity gives me an invitation to make a choice. I, so I remember a time we were presenting, uh, again, speaking oh. at a large <laughs> corporate event. So there's, I don't know, 150 people in the room. And we're talking about some of the tools we're talking on this podcast. Uh, communication model we call Check It Out that we talk about in our book. And so we were talking about, and there was a gentleman in the back and he was like, I don't think this is a good idea. I think this tool, you know, it was really, and so Susan, you started yeah. to get. I started to actually uh, banter with him about that. <laughs> I would say I was on, I mean, I really wanted to make him wrong in that moment. I was, 
Uh, and so they got into a bit of an argument, you know, across uh, whatever, 100 yards. And, and the, the, the shocking part to me was Chris Marie, I thought for sure she was going to make him wrong as well. But instead, <laughs> she turned to me and she just looked at me and she said, what are you doing? Like, yeah, what? what is- I said, what is going on for you, Susan? And I this had, is a, we're on, front, we're on a stage in front of stage, people. It's not, you know, and I had the, at least I, you know, I realized I was in full reaction mode, reactivity mode. And I had a moment where now, first sounds, I did. No, what? when you say full reaction mode, you were just more in your defensive mode. You were well, defending, but reactive people don't know what your reactive mode is that are listening to this. So you were more arguing with him, trying to make, trying to prove your point. He was then bouncing off against you. That. Yes. <laughs> well, reaction can make it sound like you were screaming and yelling, which you weren't. No, but I had, uh, yes. Okay. So <laughs> I had been in my, this person, I need to defend and protect this vital model. model. And I I got that I was coming across in the in a way that I was actually defending the model, which I was like, wow, that's interesting. And I had a moment where I just dropped. Well, when I asked you that, you, yeah, you did. And I said, you know, really, here's the deal. This is nothing to do with, I am fighting for this model. And I don't, if I'm fighting for it because my life depended on it and it changed the course of my life and it, and I do believe in it. And so I'm getting into this wrestling match with you because that's how passionate I am about it, but I don't need to do that. Yeah, and I think I actually teared up. I was really mad at Chris for me, Chris Marie for <laughs> making me cry. She did not make, and me she cry, doesn't. She doesn't tear up that. I don't tear up. I that would be definitely my level of vulnerability, mm-hmm. and um, but it was significant. It, it shifted the entire direction we, we would have gone. Yeah, and the gentleman came up afterwards and talked to you about it. Yeah, and. and I, I think up until then, he would have had absolutely no interest in mm-hmm. even considering that this model was useful. And I think he at least was like, wow, hmm, I'm interested. <laughs> I don't know whether I agree, but, it, you know, I could tell that the the actual vulnerability, which what's what kept him engaged in and willing to kind of consider. And that's, I mean, that's an extreme example and your willingness to go there in front of an audience Mm -hmm. is very different than most people would want to do. I mean, we even work with couples and it's hard for them, just like it is at times between you and I, when it's like, I do not want to admit uh, that I think you're right right now. I'm going to fight for my opinion or whatever it is that I don't want to drop my position. And, you know, that, I mean, you bring up a funny point. I mean, having done a lot of work with couples, um, and this was both from working individually with couples, but more, much more now in working in groups with couples is, you know, when someone says, you know, you know, we're both getting really defensive <laughs> here. And, you know, I'm sure I have done that at some point you with have. us. And <laughs> the realization that, okay, that there's really no vulnerability in that. There might be a hint because you're sort of saying we're doing this together, but the vulnerable thing would be to say, I'm getting defensive. Mm-hmm. It's and so to talk so about, different. to talk about yourself, even if you do think your partner is getting defensive, if you are defensive to drop in and talk about yourself, yeah, yeah. because it's, that's really the, the vulnerable move. I could even say, I think you're getting defensive. I know I am defensive right now. That would even you, be that that would be a step closer to vulnerability <laughs> with a slight shield in front of it. As long Let as we're talk- in it together. You know? <laughs> but it's, you know, I mean, I get 
I know when I do that, you know, I'm doing it because it, it, it is so exposing to just say I'm defensive mm-hmm. and whether that's, you know, it's but what's much the, easier the, to throw it over. You're defensive right now. But or, the power, even if, if, when you, like, if you, like in front of that room or when you do it or when I do it, there's this power that comes from just acknowledging what is inside of me, not trying to change you over there, but just standing in, there's um, a congruency that happens inside of me where I'm not so dependent on you agreeing or your reaction because I'm speaking my truth. Now, and you're, you're bringing up, this may take us down a conceptual road that okay. is not as valuable as some other things, but I'm going to go here and you can, you can steer me back. Okay. But the whole idea that, so in, in the way we approach this vulnerability is we talk about it from a, the, the use of a continuum, which I think is valuable, that the other side of vulnerability is really control. And that So two ends, two poles. Two two poles. But that this continuum is all about how we choose to deal with our own sense of helplessness. We are innately helpless. Coming into this world, we're that way. Meaning we're born that way. We have we need to have somebody take care of us for the first nine months. We're we're definitely gonna die. So and we don't know when. And usually when that time comes, we're pretty helpless. That's true. In the, in the final moments of that. And actually throughout our lives, we are, this is how come I so love horses. Horses are also very vulnerable. We are like them. Even though we have the potential to be predators and can fight and control our world, to some degree, we're also prey. We're not going to get out of this alive. Mm-hmm. And so we are always faced with what do we do with our own sense of helplessness? And we have a choice. Sometimes we can try to control the world around us. By, Which has been my strategy for sure. And most <laughs> Western culture teaches us to try to control things, get the right answer, uh, do, look good, be the best in the room so you can have the role, the prestige, the stability. Yes. And those are all on that side of control and power, getting power over the world around us. Mm-hmm. That's the way we navigate that sense of helplessness. And that there's nothing wrong with that as a choice. The problem is when it's the only choice we know and it's the choice we do without any consciousness, it then becomes something that becomes very fixed and rigid and actually can dampen our our life are. energy. And it, it definitely feels like when that's the only choice I can make, there's no flexibility to be vulnerable. No one I can be vulnerable yeah. with or it's, it's too painful to be vulnerable and I've got to get control that when it's so rigid like that, that's when I think disease sets in and all sorts of stress starts to happen. And, and this other side of that continuum around the vulnerability is that when you actually drop in it, what happens is instead of trying to control the world from the outside, you're actually accessing a sense of strength and stability from the inside. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem is that isn't necessarily going to control the world around you. So you are coming from a place of exposing yourself, bringing yourself forward, which can seem counterintuitive when you're in facing danger, like, Mm -hmm. oh, why would I expose myself? And yet it is a choice in a situation of helplessness to be able to access more of your own resources. Because when you drop in, you actually have more creative. You could potentially come up with a different solution. You're not as fixed on right and wrong. You're actually more likely to go from your instincts versus just 
what you've been told. And I think when Susan says drop in, what you're saying is drop in into your body and talk about how you're actually feeling like I'm uncomfortable right now. Mm -hmm. I I actually don't know the direction we need to go. And there is this um, accessing my resources, lining up with congruent communication. And I feel more whole, even though I haven't necessarily managed to uh, control my environment. So you think I'm great. <laughs> right. And there are times, you know, for being in control. There are really, there, there's appropriate times for I taking charge. I want my charge. doctor to be in control yeah. when they're operating or right. my uh, Uber I driver. Mean, you bring up a great point that, you know, like in a, in an operating room with your physician, you want them to be in, in an ability to control, be in their role, in their expertise. And, but when, um, but but when you're, Chris Marie, when you're not in that place, you actually, like when my doctor would step out of, you know, surgery or they're mm-hmm. looking at their numbers, I wanted them to be vulnerable and mm-hmm. say, I don't know the answer here. I actually don't. And so rare. And, you know, I, you and know. some people may think, oh my gosh, I never want my doctor to say that I don't know the answer. But if they're. If but I they, think you, the only reason why you don't want your doctor to say that is because you want to have some belief that you have control of the situation. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but yeah, this is. Well, I, I'm, I think that's, I just want to acknowledge that. I think you felt more the doctors that were willing to say, I think it was the woman doctor you talked about on an earlier episode that said, you know, we don't have, I don't know what to do here. You really connected to her and it felt right for her to, you know, you, you didn't feel like somebody dictating to you. Exactly. Well, I felt I, what I got was, oh, there's this other person over there who doesn't have the answer, but is very interested in trying to facilitate finding a potential path through this. Mm -hmm. And it was a very different relationship that I could have with her. Like for one, I could tell her, I'm afraid that there's not an answer either. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I don't, I don't really know what answer is better, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, so often when we put ourselves in roles or in, in having to get it right or wrong or that, we actually take away that human element and that uncertainty and that place where we just, can be with each other in a very different way. And the benefit of being with each other in a very different way is that you access more resources, you access more information and solutions as opposed to just staying in the role. When you stay in the role, you're you're not dealing with all of I keep saying the word resource, but there's just not as much access. When somebody drops in, there's the, there's the emotional connection that occurs when somebody is more vulnerable because they're usually in their body and that transmits at a human energetic mm-hmm. level. And that percolates more connections that yeah. we can come up with. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, I would go so far as to say when I'm in that place, I am able to access a much broader sphere of possibility, call it spirit, call it universal, call it whatever you want. If I am more grounded in here and not pretending that here I, in, your body. in my body, that I know everything, but I'm actually in my uncertainty. I actually then have an openness to receive information from mm-hmm. all sorts of different possibilities. Yeah. And, you know, it's going into the woo, so we don't need to necessarily <laughs> go there, but that is a possibility. Mm-hmm. And we also, um, this vulnerability. So showing up vulnerable, whether you're at work or in a couple and it's it, we're not saying you want to expose and talk all about your <laughs> your relationship stuff at work or 
Um, it's more, what are you willing in a tough situation to actually drop in in that moment and talk about what is happening for you as a way of transforming the dynamics? You keep taking in breath, so I think you want to say something. Well, I was just thinking, I think we do, we do define this pretty well in the book. When we talk about it, it's the axis from how much is hidden mm-hmm. to how much is real and are we open to sharing? Mm-hmm. Because so many times in a situation, I'm, I might be willing to say I'm angry about something, but I'm not willing to say that I feel uh, hurt about something that occurred between you and I. Mm-hmm. But if I brought that to the table, it might really help the me. person you me. understand mm-hmm. in this case, why I'm having such a strong reaction to something. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's been helpful to really gauge and think on a scale, like from hidden to mm-hmm. open, what, where am I on this curve? Right. Um, we were, we were dealing, uh, facilitating a two day offsite with more of a college leadership team, the head of the university. And one of them had, had some tough performance issues. And during the offsite, he got really upset. He stood up, he was pounding and yelling. We talk about this in the book, but he was pounding and yelling and, we interrupted him. I think Susan, you did at one point and said, you know, I'm curious, what is driving? Like, what is making you so angry? And because you didn't have an agenda, you weren't his teammate or anything like that. Well, I think because I honestly, in that moment, wasn't thinking he was wrong. Yeah. You know, I really wasn't doing it from, you can't do this. It was yeah. more like, hmm, hmm why, why are you doing this? <laughs> right. You know? uh, so he actually dropped in and then acknowledged and revealed, you know, I just feel like Everyone's going to blame me. So I'm going to get in trouble and I'm ultimately going to get fired. And when he said that, he stopped defending against what people we said. And we said, well, you you still may want to actually listen to the impact of your failed project on the rest of the team Mm -hmm. as a way of resolving this. And um, it settled settled the dynamics down. The team actually realized, Mm -hmm. oh, that's not where we're going. I think they actually probably would have fired him had he not dropped in and said and acknowledged that. And then they would have, they were able to talk about the situation and learn from it and do it differently. And, and Mm -hmm. he was actually stayed at the university and was highly successful. Yeah. I mean, it was a big, I think it was a big moment for him to drop in Mm -hmm. and just acknowledge that, yes, I did make some mistakes and I'm so terrified of talking about that, you know, was really what it came down to. And I mean, this shows up, you know, in the, in the, a lot of the work they've done in the medical model. I mean, Mm -hmm. one of the things, there used to be a lot of lawsuits that would come about when a physician would make a mistake. Now, what they discovered was that the, the people who, the doctors that could avoid those lawsuits were actually the ones that could have a conversation with whoever was involved, the family, the person, and let them know that they made a mistake. And that vulnerability was the key to how well that conversation went. And that that was what really controlled the legal battle that pursued. And so, you know, that- Or not. Or not. Yeah. And some of those things were big, high stake things, life or death. And so, you know- Because um, we don't, I mean, when somebody acknowledges a mistake, if if somebody's pretending they didn't make a mistake, then we kind of want to prove that they did (laughs) versus if somebody acknowledges. Now, also, we can get to the other extreme where people are just like, well, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Oh, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Oh, and they're really not addressing the issue. That's not actually- 
vulnerability. vulnerability. Yeah. Just to be clear. That's kind of more <laughs> manipulation. Yes. And so that's not what we're talking yeah. about. We're talking about when you're in a tough situation, can you actually talk about what you're feeling? So it's about dropping in and talking about, I'm uncomfortable. I made a mistake. I don't know how to do this. Or even as simple as telling somebody, I love you, you know, revealing what you really feel. It's really not just the negatives. No. Sometimes people are more afraid to, like for me, I tend to very rarely do I let people know that I deeply care. I mean, that may <laughs> sound, you know, odd, but I, I learned, early, you know, there was a reason for that. Mm -hmm. And so there is a lot of vulnerability for me in actually making the choice to express that mm -hmm. and, um, and often, if I check in underneath some of my more guarded, protective behavior, there's this deep caring that I'm not expressing mm -hmm. and not adding to the mix. Mm -hmm. So it's been helpful. And for me, it's about being willing to get angry and show somebody my anger. And if I don't, if I implode my anger, then that shows up in my body as illness. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I had back injuries, allergies, all sorts of different things that cleared up when I started expressing and was willing to one, me feel my feelings, but even share that with another person. So hopefully, you know, we hope that you're getting that this ingredient that we've been talking about now, this idea of vulnerability, really is fundamentally critical to your relationship to yourself, to what we refer to as the me, mm -hmm. you know. It's also critical to the we, the relationships that you have both personally as well as professionally on your teams. How real are they? How well are you able to show up with vulnerability. And finally, in business itself, that it really is critical. This notion of vulnerability is important in all three of these arenas. Well, it helps people connect to you as a leader and trust you and recognize they don't have to be perfect too, which is really what creates that loyalty and people leaning in and, and um, showing up, bringing up their whole selves to work, which is what you want them to do. So they say what they really think, feel, and want. You get their best ideas. So the team gets the best solution. Vulnerability has bottom line results for the business. Yes. And we will be talking about the other ingredient Curi on another episode. <laughs> Curiosity. <laughs> Curiosity coming up. And one leads to the other quite naturally. Yes. Okay. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Well, thank you for listening to the Beauty of Conflict podcast. If you're dealing with a difficult situation in your life or work, remember, every conflict is a chance for you to be vulnerable and curious and find creative solutions that you hadn't considered before and make your situation even better. Beautiful breakthroughs can be born out of conflict. We've seen this happen thousands of times over the last 20 years, and we know this is possible for everyone, including you. We're grateful you listened to this show and we're rooting for you. And if you enjoyed this show, please tell a few friends and or post a five-star review on iTunes. Your review helps new listeners discover this show. More people listening to this show means less friction and arguing and suffering out in the world. So that's a great thing for everyone. Also visit our website, thriveinc.com. That's T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C.com to read our articles, join our newsletter, buy our books, and learn more about the services that we offer. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a peaceful, productive, and beautiful day.